that's where I found the journalism skills helped me, is the ability to very quickly and succinctly um, um, distill this barrage of information. Yeah, get so on top of it quickly and just get on with the job and start earning value straight away, delivering value for the client. Welcome to Brood in Bangkok, the podcast about the people you meet in the city that makes a hard man crumble. Welcome to Brood in Bangkok. This is Siddhant. The media is one of those things where we all have an opinion about, but we aren't quite sure exactly how it all works. And that's because it's such a vast, large thing. It could mean so many different things and it encompasses so many different things. So... How do we actually look at it? Well, I like to break it up personally. And today is one of those days where I'm going to take a look at what the media is, or at least one part of it and how it works. Today, we're talking to Stuart Kelly. Stuart is the managing director of Weber Shandwick Thailand. Weber Shandwick is one of the world's leading PR agencies. And uh, that's what's so interesting about this, because with all these new innovations, especially in digital marketing and online media, stuff like PR has taken a backseat. So what does public relations have to offer in today's world? Well, that's where the chat with Stuart comes in. He talks about things like media convergence, where all media seem to be getting closer and closer to each other. So whether it's advertising, digital marketing, PR, what, what, whatever you want to look at, they're getting closer and more interrelated than ever before. Storytelling, what PR is like in Thailand. Like st- these topics, I feel, are very much present and around us. It's just that we don't see them prominently as much as we did before. So Stuart helps put a lot of these things into context. And he tells us, shares with us rather, his wealth of experience in the field. So if you've always wanted to learn about what, you know, digital media is today, what PR's role is in uh, today's world, especially if you have your own business, this is a great uh, resource for you. Aside from that, we also discuss Stuart's digital storytelling workshop with the Australian Chamber of Commerce. In the episode, we've mentioned an upcoming workshop, but I think by the time this episode comes out and you hear it, Uh, It won't be there at that time. Uh, We'll link to the Australian Chamber of Commerce's calendar and you can have a look out for any of Stuart's upcoming events. And without further ado, let's get into it. So how are you doing this Saturday afternoon? Yeah, Saturday afternoon. What Um, do you usually get up to on Saturdays? Saturday afternoon, actually, I work a little bit on the computer um, because my wife has a real estate business. And so during the week, I'm very busy. I can't really help much. Yeah. So fortunately or unfortunately, <laughs> Saturday morning is usually yes. uh, up and you know, probably arising from a hangover from the night before sometimes, which <laughs> is the case today. Yeah. And then probably a few hours in front of the, the computer just doing some of the back-end chores and jobs that she needs to, to yeah. do for her business. Um, then usually gym, if I can, um, yeah. that sort of comes and goes. Sometimes yeah. I'm very diligent, sometimes not. At the moment, I'm not. Yeah. Um, um, and then, you know, there's usually a bit of sport in the afternoon, maybe just like to watch sport, you know. Yeah. Know, rugby is very good. Oh, you're a rugby guy? I'm a rugby guy. I'm a cricket guy. I'm okay. a pretty much everything guy. And actually, <laughs> that's the good thing about living in Thailand because 
you know, I come from Australia where the time zones are, are not very friendly to international sports. So you're watching yeah. football at two o'clock in the morning and exactly. cricket at three o'clock and it's just not good. But yeah. since moving back to Bangkok what, five and a half years ago, it means I can start watching things like Wimbledon and Formula One and yeah. English football. Much which, better now. Yeah. So I feel like sort of for 15 years I was in a bit of a sporting dark zone. <laughs> um, but it's much better now, you know. So Saturday afternoons... You know, just to get back to the point, yeah, I probably spent in the pub somewhere watching rugby, which will happen this afternoon. So, oh, yeah, um, that sounds about so, right. Yeah. yeah, it's the yeah. only good thing going on right now. Actually, Premier League kicks off this yes, weekend. Yes, and I so. think there's Manchester United, Chelsea. Is that tonight? It could be tonight. I think I it's think tonight, so. actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then there's the rugby championships this afternoon, which is the the the, the big four nations in the south: New Zealand, South Africa, um, uh, Argentina, uh, and Australia. Right. And then that's, of course, the preliminary to the big one, which is the World Cup later World Cup. this year. Yeah. yeah. So everyone's taking some interest in that. That's that's yeah. pretty impressive. And aren't you... Uh, you're, so you're from Australia originally. Well, that's the thing. But you're also South African yeah, as well, and, yeah. I believe. So. Well, there's English. There's, it's, a, it's a bit of an all sorts. It's, a bit of everything. Actually, it's the hardest question for me to answer. I was thinking of that just as I was coming in today, actually. Yeah. It's, uh, where am I from? Yeah. You know, I have these debates in my head as you... Yes, you do. And yeah. it's a tough one because I've got so many different nationalities in a way, legitimately so. Um, you know, so I was born in England, yeah. uh, but my father uh, was Irish. He's passed away, sadly, a couple of years ago. Sorry, so yeah. my, 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 my family's still in Ireland and my mother's English. Um, but I was raised really in South Africa from a very young age. So I suppose that's my primary identity. And then I moved to Australia for some 15 years. Um, so, so I'm a citizen of Australia. Okay. And my wife is dual Thai um, uh, Australian. So there's, there's a whole connection there. And it's, it, I suppose my answer as to where I'm from depends on who's asking it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if they're Scottish, I'd probably say Irish. If, yeah. if, if they're Australian, I'll say, say South Australia. African. Or oh, well, yeah. I'd try to be the opposite. It's oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to create a bit of tension or interesting <laughs> topic of play, play, play whichever side that yeah. gives them, gets the most fun, yeah. fun yeah. conversation going. Yeah. But I, I yes, I am a confused global citizen, I think. is the Actually, that's, that's a good thing because that's <clears> exactly where a lot of people are going today you know yeah. it's not we are no longer it's bound to village. simple national identity any no, longer especially no. if you live in a city like bangkok yeah yeah uh, incredibly multinational isn't it exactly and, um, mm, I think, yeah mm. i think the the interesting thing is also that even the thai citizens of bangkok do not need to be feel limited to being just thai they can go and experience yeah. like other cultures and be like oh i totally yeah i i sync with say yeah. Polish culture or whatever. Well, it's, it's taken a long time and it's quite surprising to me anyway. And I know that lots of expats feel the same way that, you know, Thailand for a long time has been one of the most visited destinations in the world. And I suppose that started at the end of the Vietnam War when it was primarily Western uh, tourists or XGIs coming to visit, you know, because they yeah. may have been here on, on R&R, as they say in the army. Yeah. Um, but it's still, it's still a uniquely isolated culture in a way, in that, you know, the, the level of English is, is relatively poor, you know, when yeah. you consider just how many tourists or visitors... The, the exposure. It's, yeah. it's still, yeah, they, they're still relatively isolated in a sense as a people that you would think they'd be possibly a bit more cosmopolitan by nature with all of, I mean, I don't know how many expats are in, are in Thailand. I think it's somewhere between 
three and five hundred thousand, and I don't think there's an official figure on it. Yeah. And so that's a lot. That is that's quite a lot. lot of really interesting, lots yeah. of different people, and there's Indians, and there's there, there's Chinese, and yeah. of course there's the usual Americans and Australians and British Brigade. Yeah. Um, but but so that's I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, certainly it is noticed that they have managed to hold on to their uniqueness and their culture here, yeah. which is certainly a good thing. Um, but also, one would have thought that that perhaps they'd be, you know, more used to the cosmopolitan nature of the city. And yeah, it's changing. I feel like I feel like that's the key. The the mm. change is the key, and the yeah. change is a positive change. Yes, they're, they're, yeah. it, I mean, everyone has that inertia, right? Like yeah. you just have to push them past you, the you point, do. or everybody needs to be pushed past a certain yeah. point. We're all in our comfort zone at the end of the day. Well, it's certainly changing in the younger generation now. Yeah. You know, so if I look at my my daughter, who's who's half-half, and, you know, she's yeah. an Australian uh, and a Thai. Um, now, she grew up in Australia, so mm. for her, it's kind of normal to, to live in two worlds as such. Yeah. Um, whereas 20 years ago, she would have been something quite unique in, in Thailand. You know, she, people would look at her and, and would think, you know, wow, this is a different looking child. Yeah. Now it's pretty common. It's, it's, it's yeah. not unique. There's nothing unusual about you, you it. You see all. that. Yeah. And so you've seen that change. It's, you know, it's nothing unusual at all these days. And so, so the kids, the younger generation, certainly, they're getting around. They're all traveling. Yeah. It's, it's harder for Thais to travel because of the visa issues. True, they have. true. And, and but, uh, it's, but it's, this is the thing that's changing the most because mm-hmm. um, what I'm seeing with uh, Thai people in their mid-twenties in white-collar professions, mm-hmm. the number one thing they want to do is to travel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. Because they meet all kinds of people who yes. come to wherever it is they live. Because let's be yeah. honest again, like tourism in Thailand is not as simple as it used to be. Like mm. people are going and venturing deeper with, into Thailand now. They are, yeah. It's, and it's, and they're trying to encourage that to it, get away yeah. from the usual destinations of Phuket, Samui, yeah. you know, with the thousands and thousands right. of tourists. Those places have become hubs now, but yeah. then you can go deeper in. And yeah, they are. It's not uncommon yeah. to hear of people going on like farm tours in Isan or, no, very much so, or, or yeah. like, uh, yeah. you know, Uban Rachatani or just well, I suppose that the it came from you know the the sort of the backpacker route that sort of well traveled path yeah the banana pancake trail right? exactly yeah. right you know the Kaosan road and things yeah. and i think probably the next generation after that's got a little tired of that and said you know yeah. want to do something different and they always do yeah look and and you know the rise of the internet with much more information so it's much easier to explore the world and plan it from your laptop yeah. a thousand miles away and uh, know, whereas yeah. it was a big big dark world in the old days yeah, you, know, you, you had no idea what you were going to get you into no right? idea. Yeah. and now you can plan it um, you know, so yeah it, it, it is a bit more adventurous well it's more adventurous in the sense that they are getting out there and they're doing it yeah. it's probably less adventurous because it's, it, it's less of the unknown um, you know, there's so many travel blogs around. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, I mean, it's interesting. Mm. The, the, it's always been the case where uh, what you can do, I can do better. Like yeah. every generation does that, right? Yeah. So yeah. for travel, it's the same. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, you guys are doing this, but yeah. I would like to go to that waterfall over there, yeah, which no man. one goes well, to. 
and everyone's got access to what everyone's doing, of course, yeah. with social media now. You know, ah, media. and then you don't even need to go somewhere anymore. You just yeah. check out a, a friend, what he's been doing on Facebook, and you feel like you've almost been there yourself, which is probably <laughs> not the best way to do things. But. <laughs> oh man! Speaking of which, uh, we we we've had actually a few discussions about social media, yeah. and uh, I think one of the most interesting things that uh, uh, I learned from you recently was that digital marketing and in, in, in the sense of mm. social media especially mm. should no longer be considered in the realm of just advertising but more yeah. in in the scope of pr yeah for sure uh, well that's my industry isn't it you know yeah. so so you know at weber shandwick obviously we're a global pr firm but but we're part of a much bigger group called ipg um, yeah. group which is listed in new york and under IPG, there's a whole bunch of different types of agencies, and some of which are advertising agencies, some of which are PR, and then there's a whole bunch of others, kind of market research agencies, et cetera, et cetera, and yeah. events companies, all related to marketing in the broad sense. And and so I suppose, given that, we see it probably more than, than the boutique or standalone agencies, because to some degree, we're almost starting to compete with each other. So whereas, you know, 20 years ago, an advertising agency was exactly that and a PR agency was exactly that. And we didn't really compete, right? Because yeah, there's no way to meet. Right? One was earned media jobs and one was paid, paid media. And yeah. so there, were, there was a big iron wall between them. Yeah. <clears throat> and so it was fairly clear cut. Um, and, then, and then social media came along and, and pretty much, um, you, know, you know, destroyed that, that old world. Yeah. You know, and so now, now it's, it's a bit of a bun fight as to, you know, a job comes in. And which agency do we give it to or which agency takes control or, you know, and it's, it's not that war, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> put in those terms is, you know, probably not quite over yet. But I do think that PR has had a very good start um, um, and I think it will have a very good end um, because I think what is happening with social media, it's quite clear that the, 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 the professional who understands the nature of a conversation is going to win. And right. what I mean by that, and I think we've spoken about this before, yeah. is my own personal definition of what is PR. Um, and it's really, you know, what are you doing when you do PR? You know, and really you're doing one of two things. You're, you're either starting a conversation or you're changing it. Okay. It's really, if you're doing one of those two things, to my mind, that's PR. You, yes, PR. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter what medium or channel you're doing it, whether it's to a newspaper journalist, which are getting fewer and fewer, yeah. or whether it's what we're doing today, we're having a conversation yeah. with a couple of microphones in front yeah, of us. Exactly. Um, or and that presumably will go on a website, and people can then share it through through whatever media channels they have. And so yeah. that's that's PR, right? In a way, because we're having a conversation, aren't we? We're doing yeah. that. And, yeah. You know. And so that's what we're doing. We're, we're in effect we're we're PRing ourselves. As I suppose as individuals yeah. um, and we happen to be enjoying ourselves at the same time yeah it's Saturday awesome benefit yeah an awesome benefit but yeah. but so that what I, to get back to my point the world is what we call convergence yeah you know so we're seeing a convergence of all these separate disciplines and they're merging yeah. and not always a particularly happy marriage I have to say because you've got budgets and who gets what budget now yeah and so right. but I think PR Probably 20 years ago, people would have thought, oh, well, PR is going to be the big loser in all of this because, yeah. 
because the, the, the era of the journalist is waning. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually what we found is quite the opposite. It's been replaced. That's the been, journalist has been replaced been, by the influencer. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, or, or your own assets. You know, you need yeah. to PR yourselves. And that's true of our clients, our companies. They, right. they need to do the job themselves because they can't rely on the independent arbiter of opinion, the journalist. Right. It was, the good thing about the journalist, of course, was that they were much more pred- credible than an ad. You yeah. know, ads paid for, fine. Yeah. yeah, that's fine as long as it sticks to within certain parameters and guidelines. It's relatively credible, but there's nothing like a, a well-renowned journalist to say something yeah. nice about your client, um, or or who who agrees with your your side of the story and is prepared to print it. Right. So that's yeah. really powerful. So how do you do that now in a world where, of convergence where there's a bit of a blur between what's paid and what's earned? Right. Or there's no journalist saying, look, that's a really, that's a really credible fact and that's a load of rubbish. Yeah, because Who we, is that independent we're person? Not, we're not believing in gatekeepers anymore. No, it's, we're not. It's just a case of, oh, yeah. fake news or that guy's a liar and well, this doesn't problems, align with my, benef- my yeah. values. It's so yeah. value-driven now. You exactly. And, and so who, who's there to guide? Who's there? And we see it with clients all the time is, is they know they have to continue engaging. Yeah. Um, but how do they do that? And especially the world of fake news, you know, we've seen the, the influence it has. Um, we've seen the rage machine, you know, in, yeah. in the comment sections. I've stopped reading most of them. You now. can't read those. They're bad for it. It's just <laughs> appalling. And, and, so, and so I think there's the sort of the death of the journalist. I, mean, such a, I know. You know. I mean, it's not yeah. really. They're still around. Of course they are. Yeah. Um, but it's got to be replaced with something. And I think that's going to happen. So I think convergence won't be the death of the independent journalist. Or, yeah, yeah. But it will, it will give rise to another form of journalist. Absolutely. And you I know. think it's exactly what's happening right now. I'm a journalist, actually, yes, by indeed, training. Indeed and, and I don't do that much writing anymore. Yeah. But I still have this as my kind of platform. Well, you're interviewing me. Exactly. Yeah, that's, uh, and that's, this is yeah. the ch- kind of the change as well. No, exactly. Yeah. Uh, actually, I had a very uh, basic question because mm. I feel like it's, very, it's, it's easy for people within the industry to sort of find this very easy to follow along yeah. but um, just from a personal standpoint and I feel like for other people listening out there mm. um, why do you think it is that uh, social media marketing you know the basic social media channels that people used why did it go first to advertising and not to PR because I feel like uh, social media agencies kind of worked like ad agencies yeah. not like PR agencies or they were like run by ad agencies. Yeah, and that's that's and, really the nub of it. And, yeah. But it, it wasn't claimed by PR agencies. Is there a reason for that, you think? Uh, yeah, I think it probably comes down to the traditional budget. So in the old days, we were just speaking about earlier, where the advertising agencies were one bigger than PR agencies, you know. And yeah. that's still largely the case. I mean, my sister agency is McCann. Yeah, um, which very, has very large agency. Which 150-odd people in it. We've got 30, right? So, yeah. So whenever a marketing brief came in to IPG Group, and then they split it up between the, the different agencies, they said, well, here's paid, and then yeah. earned. And traditionally, paid was always much bigger. You know, right. the budgets were enormous, millions in some cases, if you're a big, large enterprise. And the PR side was always much smaller, right. Right? much right. more targeted, much more limited. Um, and so I suppose, you know, with, with the advent of social media, and even going back to the, just the plain old internet, you know, before social media, um, advertising agencies, uh, because no one really knew what was going to happen. 
And so yeah, that's the evolve. other thing. Yeah. So naturally, the biggest person in the room gets the biggest say, and obviously they're going to protect their very big budget, right? So it's yeah. only natural. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. But I think that's changing. I think over time now, people are seeing the power of conversation as opposed to a typical paid ad where, you know, here here is a, a can of some sugary drink. Yeah. Here are the key advantages. Buy it, drink it, enjoy it. But I'm not expecting you to come back at me and have a conversation, right? Yeah, so that's yeah. the problem. It's all one way. And in social media, you just can't do that. You have to engage and you have to, you have to get opinions back. It's, it's a conversation. And so PR, even though we're not dealing as much with journalists anymore, it's the conversation which is the important thing. And the, right. it's that two-way. We're actually looking for you to have an opinion on that tin of sugary drink and, and yeah. share it and talk about it and things. And, and so, it, and that's earned. That's still earned media. You may, so what's happening, you have some paid and you have some earned. And it's yeah. a mix. It's a fusion. It's a convergence. It's happening. Right. And that's still playing out, that evolution. Yeah. And we still don't really know um, yeah. what's going to happen. And neither should we. That's what makes it exciting. But, yeah. I mean, just, yeah, just for anyone who's wondering, paid mm. media, owned media, owned media are very, like, specific ways in which people count how the how media mm. uh, services work in favor mm. of your business. Yeah. And this used to be the traditional structure. But, like, as we're seeing right now, yeah. there's a blurring of there lines is. here, which is, yeah. and, and here's the thing, do you see it as a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, because um, it makes it harder to count or differentiate. But it's, it, it seems it, more natural in a way. Yeah, it's it's not a good. I mean, I don't know. There's certainly good things about it, and there's certainly bad things about it. We mentioned fake news, etc., and, and the the death knell of the journalist. You know, that's not a good thing. I don't think. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's a matter of is it good or bad. There will always be good and bad down the road. But the point is, it is an evolution, and it's a big step in the evolution of of whatever we're doing. Um, um, and so I think we just have to navigate that evol evolution. And so I think that I do think the traditional model of, as you said, you know, the owned media, earned media, and paid media won't be as distinct anymore. Yeah, there's dangers in that because I still think people need to understand and will want to understand when a message that's being pushed to them or driven to them, whatever, um, is 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 being backed by money or whether it's a genuinely credible independent message from some independent influencer or journalist or what have you. Yeah, Because, yeah. you know, with a newspaper, for those who actually remember them, yeah. um, there, there, were, there were genuinely interesting editorial pieces, but they were paid for by companies, but they didn't look like an advert. No. But they were clearly marked as what we call advertorial, advertorial, right? So you, you yeah. still see a bit of that around, of course. Yeah. But but at least we've been fair to the reader. We're saying, look, this is a this genuine is. piece of content that is going to be useful, yeah. but understand that it does come from one perspective and that perspective has paid for the privilege. You know, now the danger is, is that you're getting very credible pieces and interesting pieces of, of, of content, whether it's through video or whether it's in the printed word. Um, but I, I do worry that 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 the, 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 the reader or the listener is going to feel somewhat bamboozled and possibly cheated yeah. if they don't fully understand the source of it or, or the nature of it or the intent behind it. Absolutely. That's the danger, isn't it? And, is. and so when you say, is it good or is it bad? Well, it's an evolution that I think we as agencies um, are certainly cognizant of. Um, and I think that is part of the ideal and part of our ethics and part of how we 
Uh, and frankly, part of what works, we, we know that you can't, you, you can't bamboozle your audience for long. Sooner or later, they, they catch you out. Yeah. So there's no point trying. And you would want to, because we find that companies are more, are, are more careful about their ethics than, not that, that they were, it's just that they're really, really careful about them now. Um, they're becoming more aware of not being seen to push certain messages yeah, you know, which the, may not, the public has a longer they, memory than ever before. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's all part of reputation or, or risk minimization strategies that we get involved in, and right. um, companies are much more careful about how they're perceived because we know that we know that consumers are very careful about the companies that they perceive that, to be buying that yeah, they are or, buying products from. Yeah. So and and so, you know, it's no longer. And you know, I remember as a child we. If we liked something or wanted it, we bought it, and it didn't really matter the corporate reputation of the company. Who you know, they could have been burning down rubber trees at a rate of millions or whatever yeah. it was, or killing whales, or you know, all yeah. those sort of things. And it was only really, I suppose, in the seventies, eighties, as I was growing up, that that where these things became an issue, and yeah. the environmental issues became. Whereas before, they didn't. It, you know, you speak to my father, for example, he, he said that wasn't a big deal in the 50s and 60s, I suppose, because the, the world was still a very big place and okay. it was still largely had lots of trees. Um, now, yeah. it's just different. Plant some more, big just deal. Plant some yeah. more, you know, yeah. it's fine. There's plenty of, you know, space to go. And, and so I think companies are a lot more worried about their reputation because they know their consumers are. Yeah. And yeah. and it's important to the consumer mm. as well. well. We're seeing plastics at the moment. Yeah, it's going through a, you know, it's going through its ultimate villain phase. At this yeah, point. it is. It yeah. is. But companies are responding, and and I know that for a fact because I'm working with them. Yeah. Um, and I'm getting to hear the conversations at board level, and you know there are some companies here in Thailand um, because Thailand is one of the, the big polluters in the sense in, in plastic terms, surely. Yeah, yeah, and some of them are involved in the, in the production of of, of 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 the materials, raw materials, etc. And I can absolutely assure you, and you know, because I know if I have these conversations, that they are taking it very seriously, and they are trying to do something about it. Why? Sure, there's self-interest because yeah. they know people aren't going to buy sugary drinks in plastic bottles for much longer. No. So they need to do something about it. So it's the power of the consumer, right? That's where PR is good because we need to be engaging with that power of the consumer. We can't be pushing messages at that consumer yeah. when we know that. They're not going to respond if we're just trying to bamboozle them. It has to be genuine. Yeah. It has to be real intent. And that's the difference. And so this is great because this comes back to the point yeah. of the difference between paid message and earned message. Earned message must be genuine. It must be credible. And you must mean it. That makes sense. It, it all, Like you yeah. said, it all ties in together very yeah. well. Uh, yeah. And Generally, also, there's been there's constant evolution, especially since media has changed a lot. It's mm -hmm. hard for a lot of people to under understand like how this has evolved so quickly. Yeah, uh, it's it's, it's something new every few years every at five this point. Sometimes, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of mm -hmm. intense. But uh, if Stuart, you can tell us a little bit more about how you even got into the the world of PR. Oh, PR, you know? right. So where did it yeah. start? Where did it all begin? Right. Well, I, I suppose I'm, it's, I suppose it's 
my age showing again because I'm 50 this year. Okay. And um, so I'm probably a bit old school in that sense. Because I love, man, 50 is a good number. Well, it's yeah. a good number, isn't yeah. it? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm halfway there, yeah. <laughs> hopefully. Um, so in, in a sense, I took the traditional path. I started as a journalist. And so okay. in those days, and I spent a long many years as a journalist, and then, then you know, as you, you enter your sort of mid-30s, I guess, somewhere you start thinking about, you know, is there Other anything things. else that I can do? Because wow. I was always a jack-of-all-trades. I knew I was never a hard-bitten journalist forevermore I could do other things oh, I wanted to do other things I think I'm exactly there right now you in are. my life right yeah. okay <laughs> but we've had these discussions I know yeah, yeah. so that that was my traditional path and I guess in those days when I moved into journalism uh, sorry into PR there were a lot of us there were a lot of ex-journalists and that's yeah. obvious right yeah because it was still paid media so close to each other as well yeah it was still earned media I'm sorry and so where we it, as the PR man um, it, it it or I should say PR woman because mostly women in my industry yeah. Exactly, exactly. Our job was primarily to influence or persuade the the journalist. And so if we were journalists before, it just made sense that we kind of knew all the tips and the tricks and how how to get around. And the mindset, really. It was like a game of cricket, you know, batsman and bowler. You've got to set the field correctly. You've got to set the field exactly right. And so so it made sense. But these days, there's fewer and fewer former journalists entering PR, I suppose, because there's just fewer journalists. There are, but also because PR has become much broader than just media relations now. And we need, we need a, a, an array of skills that probably even 10 years ago we wouldn't consider. Yeah, I look yeah. at Weber Shandwick now and I mean, I, I don't know what the proportion would be for, for our other global offices. Yeah. Um, but media relations, I'm guessing, could even be less than half. Um, it's still a great deal of what we do here in Thailand, um, um, but that's the nature of our market here to a degree right. and how we position ourselves in Thailand is a little different too. But if I look at the awards that my firm wins globally, we win a lot. I mean, yeah. we're really proud it's of our premier, premier form, I mean. Yeah, we, yeah. They're, they're for, they're, we win awards that one would think an advertising agency would win because it's the nature of the work we do. It's yeah. some very clever campaign around YouTube or, or, or you name it. I mean, it's, and at the heart of it, it's creativity. Now, so, and that's the other thing that's changing is tr- traditionally, I suppose, the seat of creativity was held advertising. by advertising. Exactly. And, and, the and PR, they were the, the black t-shirt guys and the exactly. jeans. And used to, with the, the, the PR guy was the guy that would be really good at sweet talking. The, exactly these right. Are, these we are were the, the slick spinners. and the, uh, Yes. The indeed. ones that wear the nice shorts. Yes. Turn up. Like with the yes, nice we, we try to look smile. respectable. Yeah. You know, whereas yeah. the advertising people who had bean bags and yeah. you know, played football in the office and all that sort yeah. of stuff. You have to be a rogue of some kind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and and yeah, <laughs> and, and and that's changed now completely. You know, we're we're hiring people who otherwise would have gone to advertising agencies. I feel advertising is probably more corporate than ever before. Probably, yeah. yeah. Indeed. Well, we we and you've been. You know, yeah. On, on, we share the same office space as McKinney. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, you can't tell the difference between Weber Shandwick and McCann people to, for the most part. I, I could we, not actually. Yeah. You know, we're both equally creative. Yeah. Um, and um, so no one is no one is dressed in black t-shirts no and jeans anymore. No one's wearing black t-shirts yeah. and jeans anymore. No. So no. Uh, when, when you were in Australia were you working at Weber Shandwick as well? Or no, I was working for another agency also a global agency as well. Yeah. Um, I was there and I did a few things actually. I worked for some boutique agencies um, as well as as well as a, a big global 
Um, so, and I think it's interesting um, to have a sense of both because I'm an MD. So, yeah. you know, I probably spend less time on PR at the moment than I do running the agency. So it's a yeah. business role that I have. Yeah. And I do like to still dip my toes into client work. I do a lot of it. Um, but my primary role is running a business, just like any business, really. It right. could be running a 7-Eleven. I mean, it's, it's the same skills apply. Um, and so the fact that I've known um, PR agencies from, from a, a small boutique owner-owned agency to yeah. a big global like us, I mean, we're listed on the New York Stock Exchange, we're that big, yeah, you yeah. know, with some eight or 9,000 people globally in 87 offices or something like that, but probably even more. Um, you know, that brings a different perspective on how to run the agency. Um, and the processes are different. So I've learned a lot from... I'm glad I've, I've been in both. I've also done an in-house role. Okay. You, you know, so, so... What does that mean exactly? Well, so you get two different types of PR roles, basically. And, okay. and, I, and I'm always... I spend a lot of time in interviews with new candidates, typically straight out of university, explaining it, yeah. probably educating them more about PR than actually interviewing yeah, them. Yeah, um, And so the two really, the broad roles are you can either join an agency... Um, where you're looking after many different clients okay. and you're helping grow the business because that's what we do as an agency. Or you can join a big corporate company. And be like, like a PR or and something. And you, yeah. you can be in the PR unit of yeah. Coca-Cola or whoever it is. And, Correct, yeah. And so you're, not, you're, not, you're dealing with one product or one brand or, or one corporate brand. Um, you're not out there hunting for business because that's what we do as agencies. We're, mm -hmm. we're there. We're, we're, you know, you know, we're out there constantly trying to grow and okay. win clients and look after clients. Um, and the, the, it's important for, for new people into the industry to understand the differences in skill sets and the differences yeah. in, our, in what makes up our day. That, that makes complete sense. I had, yeah. I've, had, I've actually had both experiences yeah. as well in, in my career. It's, it, yeah. Whether you want to work for the brand or the company or you mm. want to work for the agency because you yeah. need to be doing different, different things. Because yeah. uh, the uh, things that frustrate is if you're with the brand, you have to toe the brand line exactly mm. and not change it and mm. not get outside the box. Yeah. But on the other hand, in the in the agency side, you have to wear so many hats and do so many you, things that you, can you can't focus on anything. Half a dozen clients at any one time, you know, depending on the size. But but also, I mean, I suppose the key the key things I'm looking for um, in 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 somebody aspiring to join the agency is, do they like being busy? And by that, I mean doing lots of different things in their day yeah. um, for lots of different types of clients. Yeah. Um, and can they handle a little bit of stress? Because time management is key. So can they manage their time well and do it in a way and still maintain calm? You know, because it can get very stressful and busy, especially around a big client launch. Or, yeah. You know, some, well, some of our big clients. Flaring pretty easily. Yeah. So, I mean, we launched a big uh, a big phone this month for Samsung, and that's typically a few sleepless nights, you know, as you prepare yeah. for it and all of that. And we might be doing that for Samsung and for another client and for a few others at the same time, you know, so it can get pretty hectic. Um, so that's the first thing. Do, do people like being busy and do they like lots of different variety in their lives? You know, so yeah. I can tell you right now that my Monday will be look nothing like Tuesday and Wednesday will look nothing like Monday, you know, and I like that. Yeah. I like yeah. that. I like the fact that it's just not no two days of the same. Got a job of yeah. do three things. Exactly. And so, 
so that's an important thing. Do people like variety and differences and change and, and that's a very dynamic environment? Um, the other thing as well, and this is important, you know, because this is why people hire us. Sure, they hire us because we're good at PR and that's important. You've got to have the basic skill set and interest in PR because that's what we do. But we've got, we're primarily people people because we have to deal with clients. We have to, we have to win clients yeah. and we have to keep the clients. Um, and then hopefully, if we're very good, we can grow those client accounts. So that involves a skill set that maybe if you're working in a PR department at BP or Shell, you may not need. You may never have to deal with a client yeah. in your entire career. And why would you? You're just there 100% on PR, right? So you're very good at PR from that point of view. But we, we have to engage with clients daily. And so I... I, I, I very, very mindful of finding the right people who can do that. Yeah. Um, who are people, people. Because not, not every client's you know, fantastic, right? Yeah, some of them are not very demanding. And deal with. And some of them can be you know, pretty narky. Mostly, thank goodness, yeah. they're very nice. Um, yeah. Or certainly ours are. Um, but but it's, it's, it's normal that, you know, you, you're going to have a set of clients. There's always yeah. going to be one or two quite difficult ones. They're, they're human beings too. I mean, they're human yeah. beings too. And, and they're always yeah. suspicious of people as well. Yeah, and yeah. they're demanding. They've got budgets and they're always trying to squeeze more value and that's natural. And we're always trying to, you know, you know make sure that the budget is actually appropriate. And so there's that natural tension. And so they have to be business people as well as just very good at PR. Um, and the other, the other skill, which is where the, the journalism skill comes in, is the ability to very quickly understand a client's business or a product or whatever it is we're trying to do for the client and get our head around the story very quickly. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're working for one company for three or four years, you know, after you six months, quite easily. You're, you're, yeah. you're pretty much on top of it. And unless they go through a whole branding change or some kind of change, um, you're going to lose it. And whereas we're always on our feet, and that's where I found the journalism skills helped me, is the ability to very quickly and succinctly um, um, distill this barrage of information. Yeah, get so on top of it quickly and just get on with the job and start earning value straight away, delivering value for the client. That's a tough thing, that, and not everybody gets that. Yeah, yeah a, I can understand that. Yeah. That seems like a, yeah. a larger problem to sort of tackle because. Yeah. Uh, everyone expects you be, to be an expert right mm. away and you mm. can't do it. But that doesn't mean you should throw your hands up and say, I can't do it. Yeah, you still yeah. have There's to think of, you yeah. have to figure out the first few steps of yeah, how you exactly. can do that and establishing the rapport with mm. the client where, and, and on any mm. level, I think being able to have a conversation, be able to respond to information yeah. in a way that inspires some kind of confidence and trust is not easily taught. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. That the best outcomes are invariably when we have a very fruitful, engaging, trusting, um, and flexible relationship with the client. You know, a client that really works with us, understands the way we think and why we do things differently to what they might perceive. Um, um, and, 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 and there's a bit of flexibility and give and take and, and patience because we have to work a problem. We have to work the challenge and come up. It doesn't always just come to us in the first five yeah, minutes. Exactly. Um, and so that when we have that kind of client, um, and more often than not, it's about the particular client contact and they themselves may have been in an agency before. Which yeah. is sometimes counts against us, but sometimes they know, useful, they, they know the too well what we're doing. Yeah, yeah they do, and, <laughs> and and so sometimes it's very good because they yeah. understand the nature and the pressures of how we work. And sometimes we 
we, we, we need the client to be more engaged than sometimes they're prepared to be. They just kind of push it onto us and say, go and do the job. Okay. We, we need things. We need content. We need information. We need stuff. Communication. Yeah. 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 And, if, uh, if I were to ask you, uh, since we have touched a point, but we can go out into mm-hmm. a little more detail. Mm-hmm. If I were to ask you, the role of a PR person in the past and the role of the PR person today, what are yeah. these new jobs that you're talking about? So we had media relations. Yeah. We're talking to journalists, asking them to put things into their newspapers or magazines. Mm. I'm saying we because now we have a PR agency, mm. right? Mm. So say that's what we're doing here. What yeah. are the new skills that the PR person needs to have today that yeah. if anybody wants PR that they should look out yeah. for? That's, that's a fabulous question, actually. And, and I'm going to turn it on its head a little bit. Okay. Because the way I think about it is what are the things that we still need to have today that we've always been good at? Because we talked about convergence, right? And at, yeah. the, at the end of the day, it's about the ability to either start a conversation or change a conversation. And that's really been at the heart, to my mind anyway, has been at the heart of PR right from the very beginning. And no one really quite knows when PR as an industry began, but somewhere around the end of the Second World War, I guess, when the consumer economy kicked off. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and, and so we were always had to be natural storytellers even then, and, or at least be able to convince a journalist to tell our client's story. So we had to understand the story from the beginning. That has not changed. So yeah. at, at heart, in our essence, we are, we are storytellers. And it, it's a bit of a tired phrase now because we yeah, use it. Because everyone considers themselves to be a storyteller. And they are to a degree because yeah. we all on our, our social media. Um, uh, but at heart, we, we like to think or we should be doing it better than anybody else. Um, sure. So that's the same. What's changed is the medium by which we tell client stories. So obviously we have more tools at our disposal now than just the, the, the journalists. We talk. Yeah, honestly, when I started PR, 100% of my day was calling was, somebody was up, calling somebody up, and persuading them. And you know, the nature of journalists can be a little bit stubborn and pig-headed and cynical and, yeah. you know, and, and as they should be. Yeah, Sometimes because you call them up, they don't want to do it. They don't want to do the story. Yeah. Or they don't see the thing. They don't <laughs> see the same story that you do. Exactly. And, um, and so, and that's right, they should be, they should be cynical and they should be, you know, skeptical yeah. and, and that's what makes them good. Yeah. Um, uh, but now there's a lot less of that. Now we're telling our own client stories. It could be on social media, Facebook, you know, we do a bit of that, Instagram with photos, obviously YouTube videos. Um, but then there's the, the world of online bloggers, influencers, you yeah. know, such as what I'm doing today, you know, it's so... Uh, um, and that's more subtle and it's more nuanced and it's in, in some ways it's new territory um, for, for people like me. I say, is it new or isn't it? It's hard to say. Yeah. Obviously, younger people who have, like my daughter who's 16, she's known nothing other than social media. And, I suppose, know, yeah. Whereas I, growing up, never had a television yeah. until I was seven or eight years old yeah. so I've seen the full gamut of technology and technological changes whereas for her technology hasn't really changed that much she was born no, with just social media gets deeper into there's it. just different types of social media now but the yeah. actual technology hasn't really changed that much so so it's a different mindset I'm used to technology change um, whereas she the changes for her 
are the nature of the discourse has changed. Exactly. Yeah. So we've gone from a very polite society to an outrage, impolite society in a way. And we've done work on this at Weber Shandwick, you know, okay. talking about you know, how, how, how society has become much less civil as a result of, of hiding behind the keyboard, the keyboard That's warrior. one thing. And I think the other you know, thing is... We don't know how uh, to engage with each other anymore. Would it be fair to say that at some point people just want to cut through other messages and yeah. they feel like being yeah. more daring allows it, them just, that? I'll just be louder and scream and be ruder than someone else because I'll get more people to watch. Yeah, so the nature of discourse has changed. So I think that's the new skill set for the PR person of today yeah. and certainly going forward. is It's no longer about... about um, Persuading a, a journalist, sort of like persuading a blogger or a KOL, that hasn't changed. It's still at heart understanding the story because we're storytellers, and that's what our clients pay us for. But it's also now there's there's a much there's a the new skill is understanding the nature of the channel and the nature of conversation, and being able to influence that conversation in a highly credible, compelling way. In a world which is much more sceptical, which is much more cynical, um, and you've got more tools at your disposal, which, which, which actually, if anything, just blurs the landscape. It, it, you know, in the old days, it was one newspaper in one city or one town. Yeah. That was it. That was the channel. There might be a couple of others, yeah. but, but it was easier right, to control, to manage. The hard thing was to persuade the journalist to, to, to write it that way. Now it's very easy to get your story out. The challenge is to get your story out in the most credible, compelling way. And to enough people. And to enough people. And in a way that, that they're receptive. Because we know that just shouting loudly or being ruder than someone else um, doesn't work. I think the, right. the audience now don't buy into that anymore. Not at all. I don't read comment sections anymore. No, it's you, you pointless. I mean, it's... It's futile. It's uh, it's a it's the rage machine. Mm. So that's what's changing. People that's are more subtle in understanding the nature of conversations than perhaps we were. Okay, we that, were. That makes sense. Let's take a break from the episode to talk about ThaiPod One Hundred One. ThaiPod One Hundred One is an innovative way to learn Thai through their mobile app desktop app and website learn thai anytime on any device of your choosing start speaking thai from your very first lesson and learn in minutes with 3 to 15 minute lessons in audio and video formats there are new free lessons every week so you can build your vocabulary and knowledge and become a pro in no time at all sign up for a free lifetime account with thaipod 101 today but that's not all Save 25% on any paid program you wish to purchase from Thaipod 101 by going to the URL thaipod101.com slash coupon slash brewed in Bangkok. That's right. That's the name of the show. So support us and learn Thai today by using this coupon code and purchasing a program of your choice. We leave a link in the description below and we really think you should go and check it out. And now back to the show. I think that there's another thing that uh, has been interesting me uh, generally since we were mm. discussing all of these topics. Mm. Uh, the questions of changing the discourse or changing the discussion is like, mm. as you said, is one of the key uh, objectives of public relations. But yeah. an other one, melding this whole world of technology and yes. social media and yes. uh, uh, platforms where people can all see each other and having this innate sort of 
ranking system of morals and values of even the companies that we have. Yeah. We have this whole new industry of online reputation management or generally reputation mm. management. Yeah. And this sort of thing is directly linked to PR. Like yeah. this is where the PR forms come in. Yeah. Uh, is Weber Shandwick, have you seen like where do you think this is going to go? Because right now this is very granular down to like yeah. smaller comments and one-to-one interactions where one person's like, oh, I had a bad time at this restaurant. I'm going to trash yeah. it, give it a one-star review. And that's what we're trying to fix now. But it seems like it's too small. It is too small. And so what would be the... Like, what do you see as the wider, more well? Actually, it's it's probably, if anything, if certainly if you go back to the roots of our industry, probably in the fifties or sixties, I suppose, where PR became a kind of a well-known name, public relations. um, People back then automatically thought of the PR person as the spin doctor. Yeah, and it's typically around crisis management. Exactly. You know, the airplane falls out of the sky. um, You get your PR guy, or or you were caught cheating, or there was a scandal or something. You get your PR. That's when you want a PR guy. Yeah. Yeah. So you think the PR guy's around? He he smooths it all over, and he probably tells a few fibbies. Yeah. And and everything looks squeaky clean, and and so it was almost kind of a a used car salesman perception around PR that we're the guys who come over and paint a nice big white coat over it. But if you get away with it, you're the hero as well. Exactly. And so we were were a bit spivvy, I guess, and and probably and that wasn't true really. I mean, I suppose there was an element of that, but it was the spin doctor, the classic phrase. Exactly. Um, And so we've developed on from that, and we still do a lot of crisis communications and reputation management. I do. That's my, my specialty yeah. and I enjoy it in fact I'm usually as I joke with my clients with a big crisis I'm usually the only one in the room enjoying myself yeah because it's a I challenge it's positive for you <laughs> I right? do it as a job right yeah. and, and so that's um, but we do and so yes it's more it, and if, if anything because of this deluge of channels and social media and information the section yeah. we can't focus on every every comment yeah you know and there's a worm in someone's burger I mean okay that's bad Hmm. but but there might be a thousand comments in one hour um and so initially during during social media companies would come to me and say how how can i possibly respond to all 1000 negative comments and right. we don't even try now in fact we know that yeah. it's pointless doing so that you can't engage with every comment and neither should you mm-hmm. um, um now we try and take a more well we always did but a more strategic approach to managing your reputation right. and we know now that it's it's you 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 instead of engaging with every keyboard warrior out there, you're only going to damage your reputation by doing yeah, that because you seem defensive. You seem defensive, and you're also just trying to shout louder and be ruder than everyone else. And so yeah. that rage machine, we try and remove the client from completely. Not to say we don't engage; we have yeah. to engage, but we have to do it in the appropriate way. Um, and be accessible to everybody. So if we start engaging with individuals, well, you know that from even trying to respond to comment sections. People don't want their minds changed. Y- That's they not what they're They're not interested. Do, yeah. and you're not going to change their mind and yeah. you're just going to damage yourself. So we, 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 we... Funnily enough, um, when I do crisis training now, um, compared to, say, 15 years ago, 15 years ago, the media were the bad guys because yeah. they're going to say nasty things about that chemical spill or that nu- nuclear yeah. explosion or whatever it was. Baseless <laughs> accusations. You know, yeah. That's exactly right. And so they were the enemy. And so they turned to the PR guys, the good guy, to try and help. Now, in fact, we're using the media as the good guy because because social media is the bad guy, right? Yeah. And I say these in very black and white terms. It's not 
case, of course, but just for the sake of this conversation, yeah. you, you know, the, 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 the crises and the reputational impacts are going to hit social media first, in the first minute. Yeah. You know, so you've got 24 hours or so or a few hours of this to deal with. And then you have the second phase, and that's where the traditional media now pick up the story. And that could be a few hours later, it could be the next day, whatever it is. So, so you can use them as your, 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 your bastion of credibility. Credibility, yeah. Because you can now say, look, it's pointless me going and engaging with a rage machine yeah. in the comment section. Um, but I can go to the media because I know they're credible. I know they're trained. I know, well, you hope that they are, that they're ethical. Yeah. I mean, that's come under question. But if you pick your journalists correctly and you know what you, you know what your up relations, to, yeah. you can use them, you, you know, to add credibility to your voice. So now suddenly they're the good guys, you know. And so, so that's probably changed in crisis management. So we do take a strategic approach to it, and we don't we don't engage in every. You know, there's a worm in my burger right, on right. Facebook. I mean, but but that that sense that uh, the reputation of the client is still very much key to mm -hmm. how this all works, and you're at the yeah. forefront of that still. Yeah, well, that's and that's again, it's probably a misperception of what PR does, and we get this typically from from marketing departments right. who have a set budget and they give a small bit to PR. And, and some of them would probably think that PR is just an extension of the sales department. Yeah. So I'm going to have my paid adverts and they'll hire McCann to do that. And then, okay, so their affiliate is, is Weber Shandwick, they do PR. Mm. So we'll also give them a little bit of money and hopefully we can generate some even more sales. Yeah. And there's an element to that, but I think there's a, there's a misperception that PR is all about sales. Of course there is a bit. Um, but it's much less direct than a paid advert, which is directly about sales. Yeah. We're much more around the reputation mm. of a company than the sales of a particular product. Right. And I've seen that change in 10 years where the majority of the work we're doing is around the consumer, mm. around being an, an extension of their sales marketing approach. Okay. Whereas 15 years ago, almost all the calls I used to get from clients was around corporate PR, around okay. crisis risk. Yeah, they just call you like you're the insurance agency, right? In yeah. Way, like, oh, no, yeah. the place is burning down. Hi, how are you, by the way? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. so, so there's a big difference between corporate PR, which is probably yeah. more the traditional roots of PR of our industry, right. and now the new sort of more emerging consumer PR, which is, again, I think where that convergence is, is happening and, and PR is winning more of a share of that budget because mm -hmm. of convergence in social media. So yeah. now we've, we're, we're suddenly perceived as an extension of sales. And I'm not so sure that that's, that that's the best way to look at PR. I still think, at essence, we're there to change reputations or perceptions of a company or a yeah. product or whatever it is. Right. It can be a product. It doesn't have to be a, 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 a corporate level. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we are necessarily should be perceived as an extension of the sales marketing yeah. um, strategy. Of course we do, we influence it, but we're yeah. very far removed. So if people say to me, you know, how many more phones did I sell as a result of your PR campaign? Yeah. That's pretty tough. I mean, that's that's, a, that's always been the challenge, right? Measuring yeah. all of these things. Whereas the advertising department, they have your straight answer. answer. Yeah. They'll give you a straight up answer, you know, to whatever metrics they use. Whereas yeah. for us, the metrics are harder. Yeah. But if if but 
you know, even this is harder to, to measure is corporate reputation. Yeah. How has that changed? It's not on a scale of one to hundred or no, something. Yeah. No. And even with digital PR now, I mean, everything's ones and zeros, so we can measure it, right? So that's easier. Yeah. We can use metrics to show how the conversation is, is becoming going. more positive. Yeah. Um, but it, there's still a huge qualitative aspect to the, to the industry that yeah. probably won't change. And probably it, it wouldn't probably wouldn't change because that's just how people work. No. They work on perception. They can't exactly. always see everything. Well, so how do you measure this conversation? No, you just well, give, you give, give it a 7 out of 10. I don't yeah, know. I mean, what does that mean? Yeah. yeah. And who's counting? You you, I know. And yeah. Whereas you innately know if it's a good or bad conversation when you yeah. listen to it, right? Exactly. You, do you feel compelled by it? Do yeah. you learn something from it? Do you feel warmer towards the person who's being interviewed as a result? Exactly. Or do you just hate them even more? I don't, you know. Let's hope we're Those going are, for a 9 on 10 right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe even the 10. Measures yeah. And, and, <laughs> you know, they're so subjective. Absolutely. And it's a challenge I don't think will leave PR. Okay. I think we'll always have that. That's mm. that's actually very, very much at the core of it. But mm. another thing that I think we wanted to talk about and I wanted to talk about especially is mm. how is PR in Thailand um, how is how is the approach changing here? What mm. is the lay of the land? Let's start with that. Yeah, like what, okay. what is it good like question. to do PR in Thailand? Yeah, good question. It, it is a little different. Um, um, and certainly from a global perspective, when I compare it to our other offices, we do, su- surprisingly, and it's still after five and a half years running Weber Shandwick here, continues to surprise me how much media relations we still do. Um, and that's client-driven. Yeah, you know, and it, it, it's a good thing in a way that clients still perceive the credibility of the media. Yeah. Um, the, the challenge they face, and by extension us too, is that the media is shrinking here just as quickly as everywhere else. As everywhere else. So, That's true. So at some point, you know, and we are, we're sitting down having those conversations with them and saying, look, we need to evolve you and your PR budget. Because at the moment, I think what they're doing is just automatically saying, well, if I'm not going to get the traction against sales thinking yeah, sure. on PR, I'll just move it straight into all my paid strategies into yeah. advertising. And that's not the way to do it. I don't think, of course, I would say that because yeah. I want more budget. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but it's true. That's what they're thinking at the moment. And that's, I think that's old school. I think what we're seeing in, in, in places like Korea. Okay. Um, um, the US, obviously, Europe to some degree, Australia, where I'm very familiar with, yeah. is is the 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 sophistication of the marketing departments is as caught up to that challenge. Well, if the media is shrinking, doesn't mean my PR budget needs to shrink. If anything, these guys understand conversation yeah. really, really well. Yeah. Um, I know that sales will benefit from it, but that's not the point. If 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 consumers want to buy products from a company whose values they share, then that's got to be good for us as a company. Right. So I need to increase my PR budget. And I understand that that doesn't necessarily mean a full-on drive for media relations. It may be only 50% media relations or 60% or 30%. But it's part of our skills mix now is mm. to be able to engage more directly with, with the audience than necessarily through, through a journalist. Um, here in Thailand, I still think that we're evolving through that. that, that okay. And so what's happening that where companies do understand it, they might have a somewhat jaundiced view of PR. Mm. The feeling is here that, oh, you guys just do PR. You just do. And to them, that PR is the same, is the same thing. thing as media relations. Exactly. And, yeah. And it shouldn't be, right? Because, yeah. it, but, but there is that feeling. And so if we lose budget, it's to the advertising side. Whereas everywhere else around the world, 
it's the other way around. We're winning budget off the advertising side. So there's, I suppose it's an education challenge for us. We need to go out and challenge clients and educate them more on what we can do and how we can add value. And right. that we shouldn't just be seen as an extension of, of sales because if it is that, then we're going to lose. Yeah, you because know, like not... you said, there's no met- there aren't enough metrics to show the impact exactly that you right. can have. And they're going to lose too because yeah. we do know that consumers value values of a company just right. as much as the nature of the product. Is it a good phone? Is it a bad phone? Mm-hmm. But also, what about the company selling this phone to me? Do I, do I fundamentally share their values? Right. You know. So how does one go about making this change happen, mm. this change of heart, shall we say? People, okay. you know, um, it's it's a good thing because we're getting all new generations of people coming through the door now, even in the five and a half years, who I think, you know, it's, 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 it, that change is innate, right? You know, as I said, you know, the, the, the challenge of the new PR person is to understand the nature of discourse, not the nature of how technology has changed. That was my challenge. Yeah. How do I deal with change in technology? Yeah. The new PR person who I see coming from Chula or Tamasat or Mahidon and yeah. some other universities, they innately know that technology is not their challenge. They, yeah. they were born with it. They're yeah. Fine. Their challenge is the discord, the nature of the conversation and the discourse. And I find they're much better now than they were five years ago. They're really catching on because it's the social media generation. Mm. Um, and that's one of the ironies of doing, doing PR in Thailand because, I mean, Bangkok isn't just the capital of Thailand. It's also the capital of Facebook. Yeah. There's some 50 million accounts or something some, silly. Some it's number one thing. in the world by far. Yeah. And yet marketing budgets aren't recognizing that fact at all. Why is that? Don't is know. It, I, I think it's probably because gener- it needs a generational change within yeah. the marketing departments, I guess. Because every single... Um, professional I speak to in every field, whether it's digital marketing, PR, mm. advertising, mm. just general business. Mm. They're like, yeah, Facebook capital of, of yeah, the, the world. world. It is. And yeah. I'm like, okay, but what are we doing about it? Yeah. Nothing, apparently. Well, well yeah. not much. There is yeah. a recognition that they need to engage more with Facebook and Instagram. And, and yeah, there's platforms now I've never even heard of. Yeah. But my daughter could rattle off. Or like TikTok uh, and stuff yeah, like that. TikTok yeah, TikTok one. And... and, and and so we know that marketing departments here in Thailand are taking that seriously. I'm just not so sure that they're, they're necessarily aware of the strategy they need for that. So again, it's like, well, let's just immediately rule out PR because all they do is media relations. Yeah. Um, so we need an education process there. That's the other thing. So then yeah. when a regular, po- regular person, let's say who owns a company or mm. a business, they want to engage with their customers mm-hmm. on, on a social media platform. Mm-hmm. Why would PR be their first thing to think about? Because I think yeah. like there's so many other people they have to look at as well. Like they, Everyone's in your ear telling you, get no, a exactly. so, digital marketing agency, get a social yeah. media agency, go to an advertising agency. Well, that's like, why I said people. The people that you've got are the most important asset in that sense and depends on how they how well they understand what Convergence has done to the marketing services industry, including PR, including advertising. And they innately understand that it's about conversations and engagement because media relations isn't going to cut it on its own. 
um, just pure paid advertising isn't going to cut it. So the people that need to join our agency now fundamentally understand that and understand that there's a broader range of skills. So they need to be as comfortable um, um, writing something for a Facebook post as they yeah. do a press release for the Bangkok yeah. Post. Or a little short script for a Facebook Live. Exactly. Or... But they fundamentally understand one thing, that they are storytellers. Yeah. And and the, 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 the channel yeah. is... is not really that relevant. They'll just change the story or whatever it is. Of course, yeah. you've got to suit the different channel. Yeah. You can't tell the same story the same way. But it's the story itself. It's the messaging. What is engaging? What is compelling? What is believable and credible? Right. And what's true? Okay. You know, you can't baffle them. Um, and so that's the, it's the nature of the person. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I find that's easier now than five years ago. Um, and, and these people, of course, they leave the agencies and they go and work in-house. Mm-hmm. And some of them go to very senior positions. Right. And so I think it's just a generational evolution. That it's inevitable. It has to, right? We know that marketing departments are going to have to engage more and understand more how to engage with their audiences. And that perception is just as important as, as paid sales. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah. Uh, this is all, again, exactly what we've been discussing yeah. this whole time. But... Yeah. Yeah, again, but focused even further. I want to also look at some of the other aspects of mm-hmm. uh, how PR in Thailand and in Bangkok in particular work. Is there a sort of roadblock or a kind of a sort of darker side to how all of this stuff works? Because PR, as we've mentioned briefly, mm-hmm. sometimes is you know misconstrued as spin doctors. And yeah, yeah. So I'm sure some people are black hat, you know, just trying to do it from that point of view. Yeah. Is that something that is an issue here? Or? Um I I wouldn't say I I wouldn't say that there are bad PR agencies or bad PR people in, in the sense that they have you know, nefarious or evil intentions or anything like that in, in the sort of the classic sort of spivvy sense of the old spin doctor, you know, yeah. from the 60s and 70s. Right. I don't think that's probably a problem here. I don't think so. I think, I mean, you, you, you've got challenges with the media here. Right. You know, they're not always as credible or as well-trained or as ethical as some journalists that I'm used to in, in other countries, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but again... That that's very much the, that's part the of the minority, yes. and it's yeah. But yeah, and it's generally not. I mean, most journalists here are fairly professional and well-intentioned, and they do try to get the story right, and they don't always, you know, yeah. um, fine. But in terms of the PR agencies here, I think everyone's got more or less good intentions. Um, I don't think there's. I think there's a genuine desire to to tell the truth of our client stories that we're not mm. trying to pull wool over people's eyes. Right. Um, um, so I don't think it's that. I think we're still in the mix of figuring out what kind of agency we need in Thailand. Um, okay. You know, there are a lot of boutique agencies here. Um, and again, that's the nature of the market in that you have two economies in Thailand. You've got the Thai economy, mm-hmm. these big emerging multinationals in some cases, yeah, you know, the yeah. Thai Bevs and the Indoramas and the, the CP groups, you know, all very well-known brands that are becoming almost bigger than Thailand and now expanding into the world. Yeah. Um, and they've traditionally gone for a Thai local agency because of the language. Absolutely. You know, and, and, so, and that's easier for them. And the culture. The culture is different working from a Thai company as it is to a Weber Shandwick. Exactly. We're very much a multinational. And, you know, you've been here long enough to know that they're, they're working different ways. They do. They you completely know, it's, do. It's very different. So it's natural that they would engage with a local Thai agency because of mm-hmm. the cultural, the way of working. 
things that have the, there's a perception, I guess, they know the local market, although I question that. You know, yeah. Most of my people are tires. Yeah. They know the local market just as well as anybody. Um, um, and then, of course, there's the emerging um, uh, digital marketing agency. Yeah, it's um, a massive new who genre. Who are specialists in digital marketing. But yeah. I would question that because they're all saying we know some. We know, we know a couple, especially yeah. mutual ones, who, yeah. who, who still say that they've focused so much on the digital element that they're now losing their compass and what do we actually do other than yeah. make websites I, or make apps I find or, that so, so true because you know. I see this all the time. Yeah. They're like so obsessed with hitting the structure of the, of exactly. the technology. It's like if it, I put technology this focus. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's I put not this about here, put that there, put that there, yeah, I'll get the numbers. It's, you know, you've nailed it. it, it and it's, it's just that it's a penny drop for me during this yes. conversation. So I'm yeah. learning something as we're speaking as well. Yeah. It's, it's exactly that. There's a focus on we have the ability to build stuff. Exactly. New technology. We can build an app. We can do that. We can take a video, yeah. and we can do it more professionally. And we've got all the bells and whistles to do that. And so that's what they're selling themselves on. Yeah. And they're losing the point that really what you're trying to do is tell your client's story. But that's just not what's happening because most yeah. of these agencies, what they do is they know these new tools which are new enough that yeah. other people don't know that yeah. what they are. And they're kind of sexy and it's cool and it's... And, 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 and just following the rules of these tools will give yeah. you results. Yeah, but, the, but the problem is what happens after that? Yeah. Okay, what's the five-year plan? No, exactly. Where, where are you bringing and me we've seen forward? This with, and exactly, this is what happened with advertising agencies, big and small is because they got the big end of the budget, they had the resources to build things like in the old days. They could build an app, they could build a website, they could take the videos and because they were doing that as part of their, their, their traditional advertising job. So they had all these tools and then yeah. they felt, well, now we, we can do PR as well because we can take videos. But what they lacked was the ability to tell stories. And so what they would do, end up doing, less now, as I'm going back a few years now, yeah. is just planting the same ad on Facebook yeah. in, in a post. Yeah. And well, hoping that'll work. There's for a new reason. camera. Yeah. Buy it. Yeah. Well, you know, no one was engaging with it. They, they moved on. There was, you know, the comments fizzled. And usually the com comments were quite sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that didn't work, right? So now they're realizing that what PR does that they don't is we can tell the story in a way that is engaging online. Yeah. Because we do conversations well. We always have. The tool is... Well, it's not really relevant. We have yeah. to be cognizant of what the tool can allow Use us to properly. do. Sure. Use it But properly. it's just a tool. Yeah. It's not the end result. Absolutely. And so I find that a lot of the boutique agencies especially are trying to sell the client the tool. Yeah. Not the, the end process, result. Not the marketing. You know, we can build you an app. Aren't we great? Yeah. Well, what can the app do? Exactly. And, <laughs> and it'll, be, it'll be, it's the same thing. It'd be like, Oh, okay, build my website so more people show up. I mean, mm. They'll show up and do what? Yeah. Like, uh, what are you telling me that as but a person no, coming into your website that I need to buy your product? Exactly right. And, and, and it, it's yeah. the same. I get the same briefs when I have to write a yeah. website. Write anything, but make sure these words go in. And, okay, and but what about, can you tell me more about the client? What do they want to say? You, what are you, they trying to do? Oh, it's all designed for SEO exactly. without any any appreciation for the narrative. So you're just, you're reading something. It's so obviously designed yeah. to get Google spiders all over it. Exactly. You know, they're repeating the same word, the same word again and again. Uh, you know, and it's just and it's and people get turned off by that. They well, don't. Why wouldn't they? It just becomes fake news almost. And, uh, exactly. Uh, yeah. And and yeah. and it never change unless you change it. So mm. it's always 
always going to be a case of fine we've got the tool we're figuring it out we're doing yeah. this we're doing that and yeah. here's what else we would like to learn from you yeah, exactly. or what we can make your website better yeah. looking or maybe yeah. we can offer more how does uh, it change their view uh, or perception yeah. what's the Let's call help, to action help you market actually yeah. you know and and that will happen that evolution is happening already and you and I know at least one firm that already does is aiming towards that exactly you're bringing my expertise marrying it with their expertise and hey presto we think we've got it we've got something we've got it or, and, yeah. and you you know them very well yeah um, and I think they do it very well for example and yeah. they probably wouldn't be the only ones I'm guessing I, I don't know but certainly it's the one that I think is doing it better yeah. um, and growing exponentially as a result. It's important. But, yeah. but that will happen. They will, it's, and so we've come full circle to the original discussion is that, yes, that the future of PR is that. It's not necessarily Weber Shandwick as we stand today in Thailand because mm -hmm. we do a lot of media relations. Sure, to yeah. We do because that's what our clients need. Yeah. And I enjoy it. Sure, and, and, and it will always be the bread and butter yeah. in, in some cases. Yeah, for sure. And for some industries. Clients will always need it. And and so but it will be emerging of that and 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 we will have to start embracing the newer technologies to tell the same story differently across many channels. Yeah. And if I look at Weber Shandwick's uh, around the world, um We've done that probably better than anyone else. Yes. So we've invested in new technology, but always with the eye on what we do best, and that's tell our client stories. Yeah. We're engaging always as the old slogan. Now the slogan's changed to we solve. We solve. But it's the same okay. thing, right? It's yeah. not we have apps. No. It's yeah. we solve. So we, we engage. increase engagement, none of that stuff. That's right. And so we do that very, very well globally in many offices around the world. Right. Um, I'd like to take us here to that point as well. Yeah. That will depend on clients, as we've spoken about right. their nature. Yeah. That will depend on my people and, yeah. and the, yeah. their abilities, you, you know, mm. to, 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 to fundamentally understand how the discourse has changed right. and right. how do we change the conversation that's more compelling to them mm. and to get the message across. How do we become more believable, more credible, more trustworthy? Okay. Um, How do you feel about um, the w wealth of knowledge that is now available, but is really hard to decipher for the lay person? Because mm. I feel like we've discussed so many topics, mm. but we're very close to these topics. Yeah, I know. So we can perceive them and have these yeah. very like intense discussions about it. But a, mm. a lot of this stuff is very hard to pass and put together in a coherent fashion. Do you feel well, like consumers or other people should like? We, you should be able to help educate people further. When you're talking about our industry? Like or just, just generally, right, like okay. with this well, landscape as it is. It's, people need yeah. help more than ever. You know? Well, in a way, we, we've already touched on it in the sense in the sense that we've said, you know, one of the mistakes some people in our industry did was talk about technology yeah. more than what we actually can do. What's the value add? So it was yeah. all alpha, gamma, theta, gamma, theta, alpha, tech, tech, tech. Yeah. Web, you know, and, and, yeah. You know, it, it, I couldn't keep up with all all of it. It's just you know, technical nonsense. Yeah. You know? And and so we we fundamentally, as PR people, it, people understand what PR is. Yeah. Right? Because as you said, it's it's qualitative. It's not how do we measure PR. You innately sense that it's a good message. You feel warmer. So I think people understand PR better than they think. That you know, when you listen to a conversation or you read a conversation or whatever it is. Um, I don't know if you can see a conversation. I suppose you can, in a way. Some people do you that. Can, yeah. yeah. Um, you, you know, do you do you? How do you feel? Right. 
And if I can make you feel better or better disposed or feel more positive about my client as a result, then I've done my job. I think that's important. Yeah. You know, and so people understand that fundamentally, don't yeah. they? They, they know when they feel better about something yeah. or worse. Let's hope so. Yeah. And, and if I can achieve that, then I've done my job, mm. really, haven't I? So, so is it a matter of the fact that we've just become so drowned in our own jargon and our tech speak and our ones and zeros and KPIs and likes and shares and you name it and all yeah, that yeah. stuff that, that, that we're actually talking above ourselves. And actually at the end of the day, if we just said, look, I'm trying to make you feel better mm -hmm. or more positive about my client. Yeah. And if, and if you've believed me because I have to be believable, um, and I've been more compelling because I've told you a good story about them. Yeah, that's and you remember it and yeah. you're prepared to share it because it, you felt good about it um, and you felt it was useful to share and talk about it. And I've done my job and that's not a hard thing to understand. Okay, you that's, know, one, that's, that's not a good way of putting it. Yeah. So, so in terms of how we sell ourselves, I think the task is, you know, actually here's a good point. In PR, um, we're notoriously bad at PRing ourselves. Yeah, sometimes Bizarre, it's just, it? you just expect we people don't, to get it. We don't do a good job of, yeah. telling, of telling our own story as an industry. And I guess it's what you were saying. We're so close to it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I very, I don't, I'm doing a lot more this year, this kind of stuff now. Yeah. We're not yeah. talking about our industry and I love yeah. it. Yeah, so exactly. passionate about my industry. But we don't do we don't do it well enough. We don't do it often enough. Yeah. Because actually, our industry is pretty interesting. It is, and yeah. actually, Stuart, uh, you actually do a lot of that, and that's true. Mm. Because at the Australian Chamber of Commerce, yeah. yes. you have a bunch of uh, sort. Is it a series or is yeah. it like a well, we, series of talks? If I'm understanding, we we do it with a company that I know you know, Lexicon. Yeah, um, yeah. Because um, Dave, the owner of that firm, um, is part of our our communication subcommittee. So, so he helps me with the communication side, the PR side. Okay. Um, and so it was an idea that we came up with oh, more than a year ago now was to do a series of digital workshops. Right. Communication workshops, really. And it was, it was some of it is nuts and bolts, like what is CEO? How do you do that? What mm -hmm. is Google Analytics? How do you use it? Right. So it was really kind of basic stuff. Yeah. And, and we thought maybe we were going a little bit too basic, actually. But the, 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 the response was substantial. I mean, we're, we were packing them out. Right. We only planned six. The very first one, because me and David, something we do is storytelling, digital, digital storytelling. Yeah. What's changed yeah. and what's the same? Right. And that was the first one. Um, and we got 50 people. Um, and so we did the second one and we got different experts each time. Mm -hmm. we, we planned six and now we're planning a seventh, which okay. you'll be invited to. Okay. And I, I will probably I just keep it going. I, I would think, love to get in on that. Yeah. Until, you know, either we can't fit in any more people or no yeah. one comes. But, but where can, <laughs> uh, what is it called? Like a digital storytelling? Yeah, it's the digital, digital workshops. It's just a digital okay. workshop series. So, so maybe we should have branded it better. I mean, yeah. I think had we known that it would be... Um, probably more popular, I think it's fair to say, than yeah. we anticipated. Maybe we would have done a better job at marketing earlier on and branded it and called it a cool name. Well, you know, it's not too late. You can still, you can still do no, it. Yeah. Yeah, no. We talked about that. We yeah. thought, gosh, did we miss an opportunity there? To, well, we just, I suppose we felt that the time was right to do something. Yeah. We knew we had six reasonable topics and we knew we had experts in all six to do it. 
Okay. So we did it. Right. And it was only by the, well, I think we had a sense from the first one, but by the, certainly by the third and fourth, we figured, actually, these are, you know, we were filling them up. I mean, we, people you know, want to know. And, and, know, and yeah. like, as yeah. much as we love uh, our online courses and stuff, there's nothing like the personal touch and like learning from a professional yeah. and asking questions. And I think what we did well was we got the format right. So yeah. we, had, we had at least two presenters yeah. who were from complementary companies, could even be competing companies, but who did the same sorts of things, but maybe from a slightly different point of view. So like yeah. me and Dave from Lexicon, yeah. I come from a big agency PR basis. He's a digital marketing storytelling company. Okay? Right. So, yeah. so we, we, we were both storytellers. Mm -hmm. but from different ends of town. Right. So we did that well for all of them. The other thing we did was keep the presentation to kind of 20 minutes. Yeah. And the next 50-odd minutes more. Was just know, discussion. Was just taking answers, taking questions. And then the third thing we did, we insisted on, was that you have to give the audience a task. Okay. Or two tasks or three tasks, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be yeah. overly complicated. Yeah, just but something. We, we can't call it a workshop if it's not. Yeah, and, but it, but fifty people—it's too big for a real workshop. So maybe mm. we misnamed it. Yeah, but we felt that if it if, if it's a workshop, then they have to do something. Yeah, and Sem I think seminars they, very passive. Yeah, yeah. yeah, boring, right? Yeah. Okay, so we felt look, keep it to twenty minutes, then give them a task, um, and then go through the task, mm. and that worked really well. I think that sounds good. Yeah, that worked really well. So, so when is the next? Um, the next workshop. one, um, there is a date. I don't know if it's confirmed yet. Um, is it in September or is it, it in August? I, I think it's late August. Okay. Um, but you're going to do a series of these? Yeah. Right? Well, look, if you want to know and find out, you can go to the Auscham Facebook yeah. or the Auscham website. We'll, we'll put a link to that. Put in a link our, on if you like. We'll yeah. put a link yeah. to this sure. in our description. And so people are keep, welcome keep to an sign eye up. Yeah, keep an eye out to listen to Stuart talk in person and actually come up and ask him some questions yeah, about yeah. digital marketing, PR. Maybe yeah. you have a business or maybe you just want to learn something with, and you know, since mm -hmm. you're here in Bangkok, you might want to come and check it out. Yeah. This is a good opportunity. So uh, mm. I think this is a, a great chance for everyone to kind of get yeah, more involved do. in what we're talking about today. Yeah. So uh, I'd like to thank you again, Stuart, for coming out on no, Saturday. Before an hour already. Goodness. Yeah, I mean, it's flown right by, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll put some more links to Stuart's workshops and, and, uh, and things like that. And yeah, thank you, Stuart, for your time. And I'll, no, I'll catch I you soon. Pleasure. That was great. I enjoyed that. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Mm. And that's it from Brood in Bangkok for this episode. If you like the show, please go to iTunes and leave it a five-star rating. If you would like to find out more about the show, you can go to broodinbangkok.com and the website will redirect you to more information about the podcast, show notes, and more background information about our guests and anything else you want to know about the show or me. Until next time. <laughs>